Welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin. My name is Matt Brusky and I'm the Deputy Director here at Citizen Action of Wisconsin. Welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin. Robert Craig is with us, the Executive Director here also at Citizen Action. Robert, good to see you. Uh, happy fall, everyone. Fall it is, although folks, it is going to be beautiful this weekend. 70s, it's going to seem like summer. And I'm going to tell you, you got to use it to go out and knock some doors. We'll be knocking doors this Saturday and five different locations around Wisconsin, both Milwaukee and Greenfield, Green Bay, Wausau, and Eau Claire. Please join us. We'll have links to our Saturday canvases. And of course we have phone banks on Wednesday and Sunday nights. Take advantage of this great weather. Get out, talk to voters. It works. We're moving people, Robert. We are moving people on the phones and doors Moving people, just so folks know, last week at a 17% rate of undecided voters, our field team, our volunteers, and our paid program moved at 17% rate. And Robert, we actually moved some Johnson voters a bit, 6%, moved them off of Johnson, either to undecided or leaning towards Mandela. So folks, please get out. The weather's great. Robert, we got a lot to talk about. I need to get your thoughts on a couple of things related to this Senate race. One is Diane Hendricks. We ran and are continue to show this video uh, that we debuted in August around the connection between Ron Johnson and his significant tax giveaways to super wealthy, including himself. But Diane Hendricks in particular was featured in our video uh, for basically essentially Ron Johnson's for sale, $16 million, Robert. She has invested into a super PAC, a pro Johnson super PAC that's been just running some of the trashiest ads against Mandela Barnes, but another 9 million this quarter, over 9 million. So folks, you can expect to see more of this trash, 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 trash through both the TV and digital spaces. But Robert, Diane Hendricks and this money. Uh, I believe this is about as much money as Russ Feingold spent in his entire 2018 campaign um, from one super rich person, Robert. This is not one person, one vote. They are distorting the election. They've made crime a much bigger issue than it would have otherwise been just by millions and millions of spending on television. And they've made it the new racial code. So it's a dog whistle for them and not for us. It's especially racist to us. That's also very deliberate, but darkening Mandela's face, other, and we'll get to, to, to some discussion of that later, critique of that. Um, and you have to understand the Supreme Court, when they legalized this sort of campaign bribery in Citizens United, declared that independent expenditures don't lead to corruption. That was a declaratory ruling by the Supreme Court, on fact-based then. We will not well, call them Nostradamus-like. Just to, to rewind, the tax, the pass-through tax that Ron Johnson got for them and held up the whole tax, uh, Trump tax cut for it, uh, benefited in 2018 alone, Richard E. Line, and Diane Hendricks, $215 million in one tax year. So if you assume she's getting in the 100 million range, that's an equal share. These are very small investments to make. The return will be, you know, be better than- It's a hell of a deal. Month. It's a hell of a deal. 
I, when I saw that, I was like 16 million. That's an insane amount of money for election spending in a state the size of Wisconsin. No longer an insane amount since we're experiencing it uh, right now. This will be the biggest spending race in the history of the state. No doubt about that. And, and, and Robert, what's sobering about this is there is no planet in which we as progressives or regular people can compete. Not even like, I mean, I'm, I'm telling you like labor can't like throw in this level. Like there's no, it's dwarfing the amount of money that used to be spent. Um, and for me, it makes it all the more clear why we have to be doing what we're doing at citizen action. That is cutting through it all and talking directly one-on-one with voters, but it's, we know these ads work, Robert, and uh, it is just a it's a sobering state for democracy. Look, it, it's not democracy if you can control communication with your money and you have a system that creates massive wealth inequality like this. And remember, Richard Eline has uh, put in 20 million. So Diane is just trying to catch up. Just to trying her to catch up. Yeah, her, her buddy. Yeah. And so. That's an I insane know, amount of money, Robert. I can't wrap my head around that. I, and I know that I, uh, that that everyone listening, most likely who is listening in earnest, who is not a right wing troll, already agrees with us. Though I have to say, I monitor Fox News and Heartland Institute and other things, so that's fine. But I want to say to everyone who's already with us, talk to other people who are undecided in your social network, your 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 family, and ask them: Are you really going to let billionaires who 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 are raiding the public treasury? And stealing money from us, uh, tell you that you that Mandela Barnes is too dangerous to vote for, um, based on a, a on a, a completely trumped up version of of what is going on on crime. And by the way, there is no Ron Johnson theory of how to reduce crime. In fact, the Republicans benefit from crime scaring people so they can try to hold power with it and win elections. And there has been nothing done to defund the police, Robert Johnson. Nothing. Robert. There has been no defunding. You br- you've brought up crime and you you mentioned r- the racist ads. Um, this is a good time. I want to get your thoughts on the NAACP. It's going to file an FCC. Excuse me. I've thrown in an extra C uh, complaint. Maybe that was for the complaint <laughs> over the racist ads. Uh, in particular, the Wisconsin Republican Party. Their their darkening of Mandela is appalling. Uh, but there's a numerous other things that have happened. Uh, Robert, more details on uh, the NAACP's uh, complaint. Uh, they did a very good press release. This is the uh, Wisconsin State Conference of the NAACP, which is simply the NAACP is they were not bomb throwers during the civil rights movement. OK, these are very um, these are people who believe very strongly in using the official mechanisms of power, right? And, and having incremental progress generally in terms of historically, I'm not speaking to, to who wrote the press release, but in terms of the NAACP. Um, and they call out very clearly the, the racism in these ads, the darkening of Mandela, the scary pictures of other black people, the squad and Mandela, and the stuff about how dangerous uh, he is or he or how much of an outsider he is and what that means they point out that while the broadcast industry has limits to how much they can censor candidate ads there are no limits they can 
refuse to run issue ads, and that's most of the money. And so they are choosing to profit over this. This is pointed out so that the finally, in addition to Battleground Wisconsin, we have some with a bigger voice, the NAACP, calling them the, these stations out on that. And then they rub their hands and talk about the coarseness of the race, right? Uh, it's like, okay. Um, and they do immediately demand that stations cease and desist airing these ads, in addition to indicating they're going to file a, a Federal Communication Commission complaint. Yeah, it's it's been a frustrating election season because, look, Robert, we know the limitations of polling. Um, but it was obvious from the beginning that Mark that that Mandela was a popular candidate and that what he's about, who he is, where he comes from, what he's done, what his vision is, is very popular in a very divided state. But you see record levels of trash that you can't escape. It affects you. I can tell you, folks, I've been on the doors. I've done doors probably about seven or eight weekends since the primary. I've had lots of conversations with, uh, had a conversation with the voter who wasn't going to vote this week. You know what? And it was around cash bail. Well, you know what? He's going to go vote now. But it, it had to be explained and he motivated himself once he figured out what the hell Mandela's position was and what the hell those ads were saying. So you got to get out, folks. I got some new information just handed to me, Robert. We do phone calls on Wednesday evenings, and I want to encourage you all to get involved in these phone calls or the canvassing Wednesday nights, 5 p.m., Sunday afternoon, starting at 3. We had over 38 callers last night made over 10,000 dials. Congratulations to everyone who uh, got involved on all of those 39 folks on the phones last night. Um, please, people, get involved. It is these conversations with voters that does cut through, and we're also motivating voters who may or may not get out. Super, super important. Robert, last say before we go to break. Yeah. It doesn't do anything to wring our hands, say how evil and awful this is. They're not going to stop because we point out it's racist, right? They're not. Uh, power concedes nothing without demand. You, you, if, well, if you want to do something about it, you need to be talking to voters. And we are at Citizen Action or offer you an opportunity to do that in an effective way that actually moves people. So please, folks, sign up. We got a link with that. You're listening to the Battleground in Wisconsin. We're Citizen Action. You can find us at Citizen Action wi.org welcome back to the battleground wisconsin robert before we transition away from senator ron johnson there's one other uh, piece of information that i know you wanted to talk about and that was um, his campaign and the law firm that he is very close with and is hired this is a law firm that promoted, helped design, actually, if I'm correct, was the architect behind the fake elector strategy and is super deep into all this dark money, uh, the, these groups. Robert, tell us, tell us more about Ron Johnson's law firm. Yes. James Tropis was the law firm for Donald Trump that orchestrated the fake electors. And remember, they're 
we were just calling out the Wisconsin GOP for the darkening of Mandela's face uh, to make him blacker, which oughtn't to change people's attitudes, but tells you what the way they're thinking. They also were part of setting up the secret fake elector certification in Wisconsin. And the Tropis firm is the one that sent Ron Johnson the fake electors from Pennsylvania and Wisconsin asked them to convey him to Mike Pence when he was when Mike Pence was they were afraid he would actually do his constitutional duty, which is he has no authority over this. It's ministerial. He's just supposed to certify the results that came from the states. Period. Uh, and so. Ron Johnson's defenses, it only took an hour for him to try to subvert the whole constitution and flip the election. Well, Ron Johnson has hired this firm, is paying it money out of his campaign fund, apparently in an effort to set up to claim this election has been stolen. And to further it, he has created a new website uh, to collect stories of election fraud. In other words, he is what he is. He is going to uh, generate the big lie further. And you know what happened? This is where those two very nice black women from uh, Georgia who were election workers were vilified because people said they're carrying a box. It must have fake ballots in it. Don't have supplies. What is wrong with you people? And uh, that we're crazy made up stuff that people are going to believe because what they've done with their base the core of their base has made them so sure it's true that they're just looking for evidence. It must be there. If they can't find it, they're going to invent it. And we saw that all over the country in 2020, that once any kind of analysis was done of these claims, uh, it was a joke. By the way, we have this week also that Trump knew, according to Fort Filings, that the claims the data claiming election fraud and, and irregularities was false and submitted it anyway, which may be a crime. This is per federal, federal, federal Judge Carter, who is hearing one of the civil cases. So, and he's going to be subpoenaed about that, uh, in my understanding. So, yeah. but Ron Johnson is leaning in, he's building up the big lie. He knows. Here's where don't listen to the polls. They're trying to tell us Mandela's down six points. This is going Johnson's way. Johnson's not acting that way. Johnson's acting like he could lose this race and it's going to be very close. You, we need to act that way. So if anyone is believing polls and not doing work in this election, then, uh, you know, please. Look, folks, Johnson, they, they know a couple of things. One, this will be close. Okay, as Robert said, it's going to be close. At the end of the day, you're not going to see the split that you're not going to see a huge split between um, a Barnes and Evers, right? That will be much narrower than what you might be seeing in polling. And part of that is going to be at the end of the day, they're going to reinforce each other. The moderates that may be more prone to liking, say, an Evers will be challenged with Barnes versus Johnson. And a lot of, and, and ultimately they'll, they're much more likely to be aligned. And then ultimately, Robert, this is a base turnout election. We have no clue <laughs> who, who what's actually going to turn out. We do know we have record rates of registration here in Wisconsin as a very good sign. And we have same day voter registration. So we can expand the electorate and we can expand it in key important areas. And that's why 
getting out the vote work is super important. The work that we do, the final three weeks is significant. Uh, back in the day, Robert, we used to say that you can move with a really significant field program up to three points. That's significant. That is very significant. And this is an election that's even more, things are more volatile, volatile now in strategic in elections where field smarter and it better understands how to expand electorates and same for us. And one of them, folks, is you got to get involved. You got to get out. You got to talk to voters. So please, please do that. Robert? Uh, I, you got to get involved to affect the election. But if you want to satisfy your curiosity, I just went <laughs> to secureelectionwi.com. Uh, and it is an election integrity incident report. Please share below. Um, and <laughs> details of incident and then all of your naming content information. and. A, way, a place to, you know, attach any picture you have of the incident, like the boxes that Ruby Friedman and her daughter supposedly had in the Georgia uh, counting place in Fulton and County, folks, Georgia. And folks, that's clearly going straight to the law firm, right, and to help them try to build a case. So um, we don't need we don't need any further evidence that Ron Johnson has been awful on January 6th throughout his complete role through the fake electors all the way through to, to this day, continuing to say that this was not an armed attack, that he wasn't scared. It's just, it's disgusting. So Robert, I'd like to change topics though. Um, I, I, we have to talk about um, Tim Michaels flip-flop. I mean, come on. On abortion, I mean, this guy was this guy's as hardcore on this issue. He's got a it's shall we say his life's work um, in the foundation, his foundation's life's work. The idea that he somehow can flop and suggest that he is not super conservative on abortion. It's laughable. But, Robert, that's exactly what he attempted to do this week. It's. Maybe it's a tough call, more laughable than Ron Johnson's dodges. Let's have a referendum that'll never happen and get this off my plate. Uh, so Tim Michaels, who had given money through his charity to an organization that does geo-tracking of, of women that go anywhere near an abortion clinic, uh, and it's, not, it's all reproductive services, not only abortion, just reminding you, going there for counseling on birth control can get you trapped by this organization he believes in, now is all for exceptions, wouldn't prosecute um, uh, um, any doctors, though that's what the law he supports, the 1849 law does, and all the Republican versions, and with a legislature that will not make exceptions, so it doesn't matter, this is just genuflecting on his part because he is afraid of this issue and is and 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 doesn't know what to do about it so you really see i think these are tests of character look how mandela barnes has stood behind cash bail and says it's not about it's not about releasing dangerous chemicals about not locking people away and removing their fourth amendment rights simply because they are poor okay you can still hold them if they are dangerous 
So no change in the law there. So Mandela stands behind it, and he and and they are confusing voters so much that many voters will vote the wrong way in this election because they've been lied to. But then this guy, you can see there's no principle there. It's all about power. And we know what he really wants to do. He's already signaled again. He wants to not only break up Milwaukee public schools and put it under right-wing suburban control, uh, he wants to break up the Department of Natural Resources. So I guess we can continue to have a lot of PFAW poisoning and not have safe drinking water, among other things. And he's also a climate denier. And the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel Electoral Board has called him out on that. And that was in his Friday debate. You can go watch. <laughs> yeah, Robert, the, the stuff on um on the breaking up of the DNR, I mean, that reveals a lot about who he is and MPS, right? And who's own, behind how, him? Who's behind exactly. him? Exactly. Who's behind this guy? Robert, the MPS stuff was hubris of the highest because he first says he admits he doesn't really have any answers, but if we talk about it, I will break it up. Right. It's just like it, it's it's so low. It's so undemocratic. I've talked about this. I the authoritarian streaks uh, in this brand of Trump mega Republicans is scary. And to me, this is this is authoritarians. I talk about it all the time. They believe the law only applies to their opponents. And this is classic. Right. Like. You know, just, uh, you know, anyways, Tim Michaels, I think he's very worried, Robert, back to the flip-flopping on abortion. No one, no one's going to believe him. And, on um, you know, the ads that have been run, again, by uh, the Evers campaign and, and allied groups have been devastating on him. And I think uh, best, best negative ads of the cycle, yeah. actually. And I, I, I'm, I'm you know, willing to, uh, you know, give fair criticism to Governor Evers. So kudos to his team. Those ads are tremendous. Yeah, the narrator, I think we've talked about this before. They're extremely compelling. And I, I think they have defined Tim Michaels in a way that might, I'm going to just say this, might make him unelectable. We'll see, Robert, the broader environment for Democrats is not good nationally. We'll talk about this. I want to talk about this around inflation and just sort of the broader context appears the last few weeks have slipped back. Some of the polling on who would you vote for Congress has gone from slightly Democrat to slightly Republican. If all this they, shit's within the margin of error. And only if they know who's voting and they don't. And always about turnout. But there are trends, right? And so I'm saying other than those trends, Right. I want us and we'll talk more about this after the break, especially about the economy and inflation. I think Tim Michaels may be unelectable because he's been so well defined this year on this issue. You're listening to the Battleground Wisconsin. We're Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. Robert, we're going to just do a little detour here and get into talking a little bit more about our economy, some things that are going on. Um, it will, we'll get into uh, the election and uh, we're going to talk about the fed a little bit, but I want to start the conversation about the merger. It's a big news in the grocery industry. We have Albertsons and Kroger Kro merging potentially. And this would be for folks who don't, 
you know, track grocery industry, which is probably almost everybody. Kroger is huge and Albertson is very big, particularly on the West Coast. This would be, I believe, Robert, like 15% of the industry. Um, and it's it's become a huge question, political question for the Biden administration, because they're going to have to approve or not approve of this merger. And just before you jump in here, Robert, I mean, in a nutshell, to me, right, a merger like this, you're going to see you're going to see the ability for the uh, employer to squeeze, squeeze suppliers. But on our side, squeeze consumers. And I think it's bad for consumers. Uh, the other question is about workers uh, and uh, will the UFCW, I'll just throw it out there. Kroger is a largely an Albertson unionized chain. Um, so uh, this is a more unionized workforce than often might be discussed in these mergers uh, that has access to uh, President Biden. Robert, your thoughts a little and, and obviously, please add a little bit more detail on the merger and your thoughts. But this is um, this is a really important question uh, that speaks to what kind of economy are we about and is the Biden administration about? Robert. I'm going to rewind a little. Uh, we had a period and, there were, you know, and being anti-monopoly was a major, major political thing in the late 19th century, in the progressive era, the first couple decades of the 20th century. And FDR put in very strong requirements. That's why AT&T was uh, broken up in the 1970s. And right-wing courts and right-wing thinkers like Milton Friedman said, oh, the problem's really priced and not monopoly. And sometimes with more efficiency, it lowers the price. And therefore, we're going to, by the way, a lot of the laws were not actually repealed. They simply were reinterpreted by right-wing judges. So we're going to let her rip. And Robert, again, that's the um, the arguments they make is we'll be able to squeeze suppliers, get consumers a better deal. It's just one side of the egg. It's not empirically true. I recommend very strongly Zephyr Teachout's recent book, Break Them Up, because she shows that we need to make it at the core of progressive economic analysis and politics. And her analysis shows that uh, monopolies such as fossil fuel and utility monopolies have a granted monopoly. We've started talking about wind energies on this program. And then the healthcare monopolies, the big hospital chains, big pharma, big insurance, those are all raising prices. And so you have a situation where inflation is driving the debate because people are on tight economic margins, partly because of income inequality and, and too low wages. And then we have a, this spike in inflation, which is not mostly caused, it's a big lie, by government spending. And we, at this point, would think that a merger of the first, two biggest grocery chains who own many, many different brands, so it's bigger than you think. In Chicago, Jewel Oscow is Albertson, and there's a whole bunch of Kroger properties by names other than Pick and Save. They're all together in California, other places. It's a huge concentration. And actually, what ends up happening often is, is that they get rid of a number of stores because, okay, we got, we got two properties in this area. We only need one, and we lower competition. Um, this is uh, saliency on food prices is second only to gas prices. In fact, the sports talk shows they're talking about have you been to the grocery store yet oh my god what a grapefruit cost etc that is what's going down here 
I will give credit to the Biden administration. The only reason there is any doubt this will go through is because the Biden administration has uh, appointed a progressive FTC chairman, uh, chairwoman, but still there needs to be political pressure on this. It would have been just sailed through under Trump. And if it's held up enough, it will sail through under a future DeSantis or Trump. Well, look, Robert, I specifically put this in the context of this will speak a lot to the Biden administration. Look, he has been running around and I think accurately, and this has not been strong enough on the Democratic side, arguing that there's a shit ton of price gouging that's been going on. And this will lead to that. This will lead to more of that. And so you can't be scolding, running around. He's been doing it again this week, rightfully, telling them to lower, stop gouging, especially the gas companies around when he's opened up, continues to allow you know money from the reserves. You shouldn't be profiteering off of it. Well, here's a case where it's pretty clear this is going to lead to more pro- more power amongst this merge company to screw consumers mm-hmm. and workers. And okay, yep, they may have a union. So that'll be the one area where like this has this cleavage that I want to get your thoughts on, Robert. These are this is a largely organized workforce. So um it's that is a slightly different dynamic, or at least brings that dynamic to the debate. I would argue though, potentially political power also to the Biden administration to do the right thing, Robert. One more thing on the price gouging, a Roosevelt Institute report found that the margin corporations are getting, you know, who sell things to people, are at a record high, big, greatest since 1955. Price gouging is not theoretical. It is a lot of inflation. Obviously, the supply chain is not theoretical. Any, and that was done by the big multinational corporations to lower their prices, but create a very fragile system where you have one factory producing uh, 90% of, a, of something you need, a vital piece of, of manufacturing for a number of products. Uh, and so here we don't know what the UFCW is going to do here. And I here's the thing. We need to be grown up about unions. We think unions are vital to rebuilding the middle class. Unions sometimes uh, make decisions that are about their existing workers, right? And that are contrary to long term. We wish they wouldn't. They won't always do that. That happens, okay? It happens a lot in very unionized state like New York. And in those situations, uh, progressives need to be in a position to still get the right result. So I think that makes it more likely if UCW ends up supporting this math that the Biden administration allows it to pass through unless they hear from enough other people. And unless the case is made, and I think the FTC chair actually may believe this case, it's a best case scenario for who's in charge of this. Um, that this is going to spike inflation more and that Republicans like nothing better than to spike inflation further on food in the next two years and then blame Biden or the Democrats for it. They love that. It's what they do. Look, credit to a lot of the um, union members and the local unions in California and a lot of the areas where um, the union is still very strong and powerful um, and um, has better, shall we say, good, strong standards market standards. I came out against this and have a clear understanding of what this will do to that. This will ultimately erode worker power. Um, But look, it's complex. We'll continue uh, to watch and discuss this. Uh, It's very important. Uh, Robert, before we go to break, 
I do want to give you an opportunity just to debrief. We had a, a very important rally last week around We Energy's rate hike increase and the significant energy burdened problem that it puts on lower income folks, people of color here uh, in Wisconsin. Um, uh, just uh, quickly uh, give, give folks an update on how it went and remind folks how important this is. And we'll put a link uh, where folks can um, can get active in this uh, campaign. It got some good TV coverage. It was a good rally. It's a starting point for holding We Energies accountable. Uh, and there's a really powerful new coalition that is starting up that was announced in this rally that includes Citizen Action Wisconsin, includes Clean Wisconsin, uh, includes other environmental organizations, most importantly includes our friends at Walnut Way, the neighborhood organization that represents Lindsay Heights neighborhood, a, a low-income, north-side, African-American predominant neighborhood in Milwaukee, uh, who have really doing great work on this and have intervened in the rate increase and have done something that is not usually done because a lot of the people who intervene, including Cub, are very kind of mainlined in their approach. They are questioning why we have a flat system when many low-income people and particularly communities of color have high inefficient housing and low incomes and have massive energy burdens. They're paying 10, 15, 20% of their incomes utilities, which is not sustainable. You can't afford food and rent and other things if it's that high. And what they're proposing is we actually need to adjust rates based on income and take that into account. And there's huge resistance for we energy. So they claim they're open to dialogue. Uh, they met with Walnut Way for a half hour, and that's the dialogue. But their communication, Robert, their are you serious? It was yeah. a 30-minute meeting? Yeah, and their communication shell, Brendan Conway, who came, they're so arrogant, came to, to the rally alone to talk to press on his own and then was telling people that, like the head of Walnut Way, that uh, – that he wasn't listening to the truth. We energies know the truth. And he's full of these talking points about we give X amount to this thing or that thing. Okay, what's the energy burden? In other words, has that led to a, a, an energy system people live for? Do you have all this, you know, baffle them with 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 little glittering generalities and little solution acts that you support just for public relations? That's where are they where Folks, are we going right now? Please, we we got a petition on that. Uh, and we're working and helping organize with Walnut Way and a number of other groups uh, against this rate hike. And quite frankly, this the energy burden problem. It's a it's a real issue. It's a serious economic issue, folks. But we got to take a break. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Dr. Michael Rosen. And we're going to talk. We're going to talk more about the economy. Yeah, we're going deep into the economy. Talk a little bit about the Fed rate hike and you know, we talked about it last week. Tim Michaels, his flat tax. You're listening to the Battleground Wisconsin. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. We are really thrilled to be joined by Dr. Michael Rosen. Michael, it's good to have you. Great to be here. So for our listeners, we've had you on before. Um, you, you're, you are a former, uh, educator at Milwaukee area technical college and, uh, economist. And we, I asked to have you on cause we, I'd like to have you on regularly. Cause we want to talk more about the economy. We just think it's an area that there's not enough discussion. 
And uh, quite frankly, on the progressive side, uh, there's not enough literacy. And so we want to take more responsibility for at least doing our small part in trying to do that over the next year. And so you've agreed to come on monthly or periodically if there's big news. And so glad to have you. And what I want to just start chatting with you about, uh, Michael, is the Fed. We talked about it on the show and interest rates. Um, they have raised them significantly and are everyone's anticipating that they may continue to do so. I have just yelled and screamed and kind of made a fool of myself on this show about how upset I am about what I see as uh, quite frankly, an unelected body that has a huge role in our economy, given the dysfunction of Congress. Um, and they're seemingly throwing our economy into a recession on the backs of workers. Could you help just your thoughts on this? And then we'll just go from there into a further conversation that will carry on in further shows. But uh, Michael, your thoughts on the Fed and interest rates and this economy? Sure. Well, the Fed is, as, as every, you know, is the national banking, is the national bank. And it has correctly identified the fact that inflation, which technically means a rise in price levels across the board, it's a problem in the country. Uh, it's undermining the incomes of the poor and working class families, and also uh, the investments of the investor class. And that's important to remember when you think about the Fed, because it's dominated by bankers. But the Fed is essentially, in its concern about inflation, launched a war on the working and middle classes of this country as the main way to fight inflation. And what I would say, what I, my analysis, and that not just of mine, but many others, is that their method or the policy that they've chosen for fighting inflation misanalyzes the causes of inflation. By rapidly increasing interest rates, the Fed is making it costly, too costly, for many people to purchase new homes or purchase durable goods like automobiles or washing machines and refrigerators. And in a consumer-driven economy like ours, this will result in a recession. And as you mentioned, Matt, we anticipate that the Fed will be raising interest rates again by another uh, uh, three quarters of a percent in November. And who gets hurt most in recessions? The workers who are laid off when there is cutbacks in spending and so stores and companies uh, cut back their staffs, it's the workers who lose their jobs. And disproportionately, it is workers who are black and brown because they have, are the last hired uh, as well as the first fired. Think about this. The black unemployment rate is consistently twice the white rate. Currently, it's at a 50-year 50 50-year 50 low at 5.8%. But what it means if the Fed induces a recession, as it appears intent on doing, is that the Black community will again experience depression-level unemployment. The unemployment rate nationally of the white unemployment rate goes up to 5 or 6%. The Black unemployment rate will be 10 or 12%. Over the last 50 years, Fed policy has consistently been willing 
to sacrifice the welfare of black workers in particular and working class people in general it, to ensure that the inflation rates stay at or below its 2% target rate. The irony is that the Fed is taking aim at a tight labor market, despite the fact that wage growth has slowed considerably, it's well below the inflation rate, and it is not the principal cause of inflation. If it was, inflation would be a U.S. phenomenon. It's not. Inflation is even worse in Europe at 11%. So very briefly, what are the causes of inflation? The principal cause is the Russian invasion and the spike in oil and other commodity prices, uh, followed by the pandemic and the housing shortage. And I'm not the only one saying this. Mark Zandi of Moody Analytics, who advised Senator McCain in his presidential run uh, and is well-respected, has, has also made this analysis. The primary culprit in high energy prices, particularly gasoline, goes back to the Russian invasion, but it's now being exacerbated by the decision of the Saudis and Russia to produce reduce the production of crude oil. And high energy prices have spread to other sectors. It's led to higher diesel prices, which causes food prices to be higher, and it bleeds into other things like airfares as well. The COVID pandemic also, as people are well aware, disrupted supply chains, and that's has had an impact of about 2% on the growth of price inflation. And then the last thing that I want to mention is that in the United States, we have very highly concentrated industrial sectors, what economists call oligopolies, where a handful of companies dominate an entire industry. These wealthy corporations essentially have monopoly power and are jacking up prices and jacking up their profits. Uh, as a result, uh, big oil, food, shipping, healthcare, and real estate companies are making record profits, 52% uh, this year alone. Uh, so those are the causes of inflation, not high wages, uh, not a tight labor market. Uh, and as, but as, but what the Fed is doing is essentially saying what we're going to do is weaken the labor market, drive, lay people off, drive down wages as an attempt to address the inflation problem. It's Robert. a misdiagnosis of the problem and the policy that they're using is going to hurt working and middle-class people in this country to make them pay so that the investor class's investment uh, do not lose their value. Thanks a lot, Dr. Rosen, for laying all that out. I agree with both your analysis of the situation and then the premises underlying it. Um, that inflation's real, is harming people, but this is the wrong solution and it's highly unequal. And thank you for pointing out how it affects people lower and higher income much more and black and white because of the adage in the black community is, is that when white folks catch the cold, black folks get the flu. And that's true with the Fed's prescription on inflation. I would add that it's politically unsustainable. Inflation is so powerful politically that no party can allow it to continue. I want to ask you this. It seems to me that a lot of the problem here is, is that the best solutions to inflation are not available because Congress has abdicated long ago its responsibility for being functional and running the economy. And of course, because of the uh, sinister ideology of the, of the other party, the Republican Party, 
my question to you is if Congress is unable to act, which I think is, is hard to argue they would act regardless of the merits as currently constituted and what the balance of power is, um, are there other things the Fed could be doing to address inflation since that's both a real economic and political issue for people? Um, or are we kind of stuck with this because these are the tools available to the Fed? And that's the problem here that we, we're, we're using the wrong instrument because we're using the wrong uh, power source to manage the economy. Hey, can I add one thing, friendly amendment to that? The Fed and or the administration. Through yeah. executive action. Yeah. 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 I, w- I would I would think that the latter is is most important. I mean, with record profits at 52 percent. And this highly concentrated industries, and we're talking about airlines, meatpacking, oil, pharmaceuticals, healthcare in general, uh, cereal. We could go down the list. Uh, the United States, in 1913, passed antitrust legislation. That antitrust legislation uh, should be utilized. Unfortunately, it has it is very rarely utilized any longer. But when, and of course, the antitrust legislation was initially passed when uh, in opposition or to control the fact that railroads and then later Standard Oil had become monopolies and they used their monopoly position to jack raise prices. Now that monopolies in general are illegal, although we do allow what we call natural monopolies, it's not something we need to discuss today, but use generally utilities, but they're illegal. So what's happened in industry after industry is that you have shared monopolies, a handful of companies that will act as if they are in competition, Coke and Pepsi, you know, on television, uh, best taste, light filling. They act as if they're competing with each other but basically, there's very little competition, no price competition, and very little competition uh, on innovation. The Justice Department should aggressively be pursuing uh, antitrust legis- action against these oligopolies. Uh, we actually saw a little bit of that under the Clint- during the Clinton administration at the tail end with Microsoft, uh, but then that was that undermined once. Uh, 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 George Bush was elected uh, president well, of the United States. But that would be one policy that could be aggressively uh, pursued. And a, a thing to think about is this. If, in fact, the housing shortage is one of the drivers of inflation, as, as we're discussing, raising interest rates is going to make it more expensive to build houses. And that will mean that we end up with a recession or even worse in the construction industry, which will undermine uh, the construction of housing the, uh, and cause housing prices to continue to soar. Another area that the administration could be helping to promote and could also be done at the state and local level is for uh, a, a robust uh, low income and moderate income housing programs uh, development to be uh, pursued, and that would help ease ease the increase in housing prices. Uh, I'm not sure we see that on the horizon, but the Fed's action is going to exacerbate that problem. Well, Michael, this was great. 
Um, we're going to have you on monthly and my guess. So next time you're on the selection is going to be settled. We, I, we may need to have a deeper conversation (laughs) about what the president can do, particularly we'll, we'll be able to talk about what the Congress looks like, hopefully, and and we'll see if the election deniers, uh, allow the election to be final, uh, but to talk about what maybe the president can do, continue to have that conversation, uh, and uh, have other further conversations also about what can we do at the state level uh, and what what could Governor Evers, and I'm already calling him uh, Governor Evers for the second term, uh, do <laughs> uh, differently uh, than maybe we did in the first uh, term uh, to address the economy. Thanks a lot. Just one, yep. one quick thing that I didn't mention that I should is that the Biden sure. administration's executive action, or I, I believe it was in the Inflation Adjustment Act, to, to negotiate pharmaceutical prices is another kind. That's the kind of action that can be taken to help control inflation at the executive level. And uh, we'd, I, I think it would be helpful to see more actions of that type. Well, we will definitely we will definitely talk more about that in future shows, folks. We're going to get smarter. We're going to we're going to continue to talk about the economy. With that, though, we got to wrap up this show. I want to thank Dr. Michael Rosen for joining us. I want to thank our producer, Brian Wildridge, who makes the show happen every week. Folks, we'll see you next week. Again, get involved. Get out this weekend. It's going to be beautiful. Do doors. People do move. People do change their votes. People do decide to go vote who weren't going to go vote from these conversations. Get out, be active. Democracy is a participatory sport. We'll see you next week at the Battleground, Wisconsin.